standalone talk today. Uh, we have been in 1 John. We concluded that series last week. So today we're doing a standalone talk out of Philippians chapter 1. Then we're going to walk into uh, a new series leading up to Easter the next few weeks. But as you guys all know, connection cards and giving, you can do that at bindtrustville.com. If you're here in the room, the blue connection cards on your table uh, is how we communicate with one another. It's also how we know what's going on in your life so we can be praying for you. It's how we apply the message to our life through next right steps. And then also, uh, if you're online or if you just, you're in here and you have a smartphone, those connection cards are also on the website. You can go there and click on connection card and do it that way. And then our giving is primarily online. We do have generosity envelopes here if you'd like to, to fill one of those out. But mainly our giving is all online uh, on our website. Much easier that way. You can set up text giving and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, haven't really gone over it in a while, but today I wanted to remind you of the three reasons why we give. The first reason we give is out of obedience and worship to God. In his word, he says that we are to give towards his family. We're to give towards him. The second reason why we give is because we believe in the mission and the vision of this place. You know, all throughout this pandemic, you guys have been faithful. You've been faithful in your generosity. And I want to say thank you. It's allowed us to do so much more than I would have ever thought possible in the middle of a pandemic. We've covered rent for families. We've bought groceries. We've given to missions. Uh, we did, I mean, you guys know over $3,000 to one day to feed the world through Convoy of Hope over Christmas. I've been blown away. So thank you so much for your generosity. The third reason we give is so that we can do those kind of things, so that we can give to other people who are furthering the gospel message around the world, like Convoy of Hope and missionaries. So thank you for that. Today, I've titled this message, A Work in Progress. A work in progress. You know, this building right now, we're going through construction. It's a work in progress. It's looking different every single week. But also, every single one of us is a work in progress. You know, a friend asked me earlier this week, he said, hey, did your carpet get in at the church? I said, yeah, it's all in. It's done. He goes, man, so you guys finished? Are you happy to be finished? And I said, well, we're not finished. Just the carpet is in the sanctuary. There's still a lot more to do. And he's like, well, when is it going to be done? Like, when is it all going to be finished? I said, when Jesus comes back? Like, it's going to be a work in progress for all time, right? I mean, we're a work in progress individually. The church, it's a work in progress. We don't arrive at this place where everything just stays and now it's perfected. We're always working on it. We're always changing it. You know, uh, one of our kids has gotten into painting a little bit lately. And so the other day, I went upstairs and they were painting something. And uh, I didn't really know that they had the ability and the talent to paint. I didn't know they had the desire to do that, but they got into painting. So I walked upstairs, and they were like, hey, look, Dad, what I was painting. And I was like, man, that's beautiful. Like, that's incredible. I didn't even know that you wanted to do that. I didn't know you could do that. that that's beautiful. That, that's awesome. And they say, yeah, just wait till it's done. Just wait till you see it when it's finished. I don't know about you, but every now and then I, I think about what the conversations between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit look like. Like, what, what do they talk about? What are those conversations like? How do they interact with one another? And we get a picture of that uh, in the Gospels when Jesus prays to his Father, when, uh, especially in John, there's a whole section there. We get a, a little bit of a, a picture of how they communicate. But every now and then I imagine their conversations. And sometimes, uh, as I was preparing this, you know, and thinking about it, sometimes I've, I've imagined over the years, you know, them looking down, uh, God and, and, and the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, look, looking at Nathan Headley 
and just the progress that's been made in my own life, in my, in my own heart. I'm like, hey, look what's going on. Like, look what's happening in their, look what's happening in the brook and their family and all this kind of stuff. And then I just imagine the father just saying, yeah, but wait till I'm done. Like, just wait how amazing it's going to be because I'm continuing to work on them. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, I am certain, I'm confident, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you. God began a good work within all of us. God, who began that work, he's going to continue this work. He's going to continue this work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returned. So number one, if you're taking notes this morning, first thing we're going to look at through this verse is that God began the work in you. God began the work in you. You know, there's this old adage that we've heard celebrities and athletes say, you know, or maybe we've said it about friends or we've, you know, we've said it ourselves. You know, like someone's life was in shambles and they were headed towards just disaster or they even found disaster. They hit rock bottom. And there's this drastic change. There's this shift that takes place. And they, they turn their life around and things are going great. Things are going well. And then often there's this question asked, you know, well, what happened? What happened to them? And then it's this old adage that we say about other people or they've said themselves, like, well, they found God, right? You ever heard that? And I was like, oh, he found God. He found Jesus. He found religion. No one's ever heard that? This, is, this was the cue for you to raise your hand. Yes, you're shaking your There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Like, man, just some, some interaction here, people. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, it's like, well, they, they, they found God. Well, here's the reality. Here's the truth. None of us found God. None of us found God. Even those people we talk about, they didn't find God. It's a, it's a nice sentiment to say, and we say it to express a certain type of change that took place. But the reality is, is that God found us. We didn't find God. God found us. God is the one who began the work in us. God is the one who sought us out. You know, in Luke chapter 15, there's these three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. In the lost sheep and the lost coin in the parables, God is the shepherd and God is the woman, both times going and looking for the things that are lost. See, God began the work in us. God came and he found us. When we were lost, when we were dead and dying in our sin, God went looking. He searched for us. He went looking for us and then he found us. God began the work in us before we even knew what was going on, before we knew God. Before we ever knew we needed God, God was looking for us. He was searching for us. He was beginning a work inside of us. See, Jesus says that God drew us to himself. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says, For no one can come to Jesus. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. No one comes and finds Jesus unless God draws them to me to Jesus. See, God is the one who began the work. Last Monday morning, uh, we woke up, and as very typical at the Headley house, we're scrambling to get ready to go to school, because uh, we, you know, lived in California for a number of years, and there's lots of things about California that weren't the greatest, but there was one really, really cool thing about California. The kids' school started at 8.50 a.m. in the morning. It was amazing. We didn't wake up till 7.30. 
took our time getting dressed. The school was like a mile away. It was easy. Then we moved here. The school starts at 7.55, and we live a lot further from the school than we realized when we moved here. So we leave our house at 7.05. So we're all waking up much, much earlier. And then they throw a time change on us. Aren't you guys excited you got to lose this hour of sleep this morning? I hate this Sunday morning every single year. Now, I love church. I mean, don't get me wrong. But I hate waking up this morning and I was like, sure doesn't feel like 7 a.m. Feels like 6 a.m. Because it is. It actually is. So we're scrambling last Monday morning, getting ready for school, you know, trying to get everybody ready and out the door. And, uh, you know, Maddie, she needs her hoodie. And so she asks uh, Brooke, to go get the hoodie for her. So Brooke goes upstairs, brings the hoodie down, and Brooke lays it on the back of the, the barstool chair that I'm sitting at to eat breakfast. And then Maddie's eating breakfast, and then Maddie goes, hey, did you get my hoodie? And then I, I reach and I grab it, and I hand it to Madison. And she goes, oh, thanks, Dad. And Brooke goes, no, no, Dad did nothing. Dad did nothing. He doesn't get credit for this. I walked upstairs. I got your hoodie out of your room. I get credit for that. I get the credit. You know, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I can honestly say, I am so much better now than I was 15 years ago, as my wife can attest. I'm a much better human being. I'm a much better person. I love people so much more than I ever have before. I'm a lot better. I got a long way to go, but I'm a lot better than I used to be, but I can't take credit for that. I cannot take credit for the progress that's been made in my life. The credit belongs to God. He began the work. He's the one that started it. He began the work. I think sometimes, you know, we took a moment this morning in worship to just stop and say thank you. I think sometimes we uh, take for granted how blessed we are that we know Jesus. That God chose to begin the work in us. To seek us out. To find us. To draw us to Jesus. We cannot take credit for the progress made in our hearts and in our minds. That credit belongs to God. He is the one who is working on us He's the, working, the one working in us, and he's the one working through us. He began the work in you. But not only did God begin the work in you, God has begun the work in every single human being on the planet. See, God desires that everyone should come to know him. He desires that all should be saved. That every man, woman, and child come to the knowledge of Jesus to be saved by grace through faith, to receive forgiveness through the cross. First Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone, God wants everyone to be saved, everyone to understand the truth. There is one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for who? who what is, who does it say? Everyone. For everyone. Not only did God begin the good work in you, he also has begun the good work in other people. So anytime that God leads you to speak to a coworker, God directs us to speak to a neighbor, we are not beginning a conversation. We're entering into a conversation that God has already begun. See, God has started working on their heart. God has started talking to them, discussing with them, drawing them to Jesus. And then when he uses us to come in and say a, a kind word, come in to encourage, come in and maybe share the good news of Jesus, when, when we enter into the scene, we're entering into a conversation that's already begun before we arrived on the scene. A conversation the Holy Spirit started that he wants to hand off to us to take it to the next step. 
And sometimes we're going to be the ones who get to pray with that person and see them come to know Jesus. And sometimes we're just the person that takes them from, you know, negative two to negative one in their faith journey. Or we're the person that takes them from negative 20 to negative 15. Like, we don't know where we're at, but God has begun this work. He began it on us, and he's begun it on everybody, and then he uses each one of us. He uses his people to further that work in others. We're always entering into a conversation, entering into a work that God is the author of. God began the good work. Paul says, we read it a moment ago, he's certain that God, he's confident that God, who began this good work, God authored it, God started it, he's going to continue this work. Not only did God begin the work, did he draw you to himself? Not only is he drawing all people to himself, he's going to continue this work. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God continues the work in me. Because there are so many times where I mess up. So many times where I fail. And I'm so glad that God continues to work on me. You know, when we first moved in to our house here, uh, it did not have a garbage disposal in the sink. And we've always had a garbage disposal in our sink. You know, so at the end of the meal, like it was kind of a game you know, let's see how much we can stuff down the garbage disposal, how, much, how, you know, how big we can fill it for them to grind it all up. I've always thought it was fascinating. You put this and the blades turn and it just grinds it all. It's just, yeah, I think it's awesome. I don't know, something about, you know, being a little, even as a little boy, I was terrified that I was going to stick my hand down there and it get chopped off, right? But I just, I've always been fascinated. We moved in this house. We, we don't have one. So a couple months into it, you know, we have a certain type of uh, yeah, I think oh, on septic system instead of sewer system or whatever. So we had to get a special type of garbage disposal that puts certain types of chemicals that grinds it up really fine. And so it was much more expensive than a normal one. So we're here a few uh, couple months and we just we can't take it anymore. You know, scraping that food into the trash can is just too difficult. It's just too hard. You can't do it. So uh, we, I save up. I buy the garbage disposal and I'm thinking, you know, I'm handy. Uh, I can put this in myself. I've done all kinds of work. And we get the garbage disposal. And then I go and I open the cabinets under the sink. I have the garbage disposal. I have the instructions. And I'm looking at the bottom of the sink. And I'm thinking, I have no earthly idea how to do this. But I'm going to figure it out. So where do you go when you can't, you know, you don't know what to do? YouTube. YouTube. That's where you go. Uh, Whether I like YouTube or not, uh, it's handy when you need to fix something. So I go to YouTube, and I look it up, and I'm looking at the, the videos and watching people, and I'm seeing what, what, what they're doing, and I'm looking at what I have and what this is, and I'm thinking, this still is, is not adding up. And really, there's this huge pipe that's in the way, and so the garbage disposal is not going to fit under there. And I'm like, this, this is bad. So I kind of just set it aside for a few weeks. I thought I'll get to it later and when I have time to really sit down and spend some hours doing this. And then a couple months go by, and then three months go by, and then seven months go by, then nine months go by, and Brooke's like, are we going to have a garbage disposal? I said, absolutely. It's over there in a box. At some point in time, it's going to be under that sink. So I get under there another time and realize I can't do it. I give up. So I call a plumber. Call a plumber, have them come out, take a look at it. The plumber looks at it. I was like, oh, yeah, we can totally do this. And then they get under the sink, and they look. I was like, well, here's the pipe that was in the way. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, I don't know about that. So they go outside, and they're checking all the pipe system. And then he comes back, and he goes, let me, let me be clear. Like, we, we, we could potentially do this for you, but it's going to cost thousands of dollars. 
because we have to move the entire pipe system and everything has to be changed around down in the garage in the basement to go there. And I thought, that means you can't do it. Oh, we can do it. It's going to be thousands. No, it means you can't. You ain't doing it. So guess what? We gave up. We gave up. So we just, we're going to have to scrape that food into the trash can. Two years later, we're still scraping that food into the trash can. Ten years from now, we'll still be scraping that food in the trash Because I'm, I'm not paying five grand or whatever. Just get a garbage disposal. We can learn to work it out. But I gave up. You know, why do we give up on things in life? Why, why do we give up? We give up because we run out of energy and we get tired. I gave up early on because I just didn't have the time and I was tired. I was like, ugh, I don't have the energy to do this. We give up because sometimes we can't see the end in sight. We don't see how it's possible, so we give up. We give up because we have other things to do. There's other things on the priority list, other things on the checklist. We gotta go to work, we gotta go get the kids to school, we gotta do this, so so we give up. We give up because sometimes we just can't do too many things at once. You know, I'm not the greatest at multitasking. Uh, Some of you have known. You know, I'm on the phone with you, and if I'm trying to do something else at the same time, I'm like, I wanna say I'm half listening to you, but it's really like I'm a tenth listening to you because that's my capacity for multitasking. I'm just not great at it. So sometimes we give up on things because we just have, we got too many things to do. We can't multitask enough. Sometimes we give up on things because they simply cost too much. It costs too much. It costs too much. Here's the thing. When God looks at us, he began this work in us. He doesn't give up. God continues the work in us. And no matter how many times we mess it up, no matter how many times we set back his progress in us, he does not give up. See, here's the thing. God doesn't get tired. God does not run out of energy. God sees the end from the beginning. He always sees the end result even before he starts the work. God can do an infinite amount of multitasking. God says that we don't cost too much. We don't cost too much. He gave the most pricely possession of all for us, his son, when Jesus came and died on the cross. We don't cost too much. And guess what? He's already paid the price for us. So God doesn't give up. See, God uses our circumstances to further his work in us. He uses our hardship. He uses our pain. He uses our triumphs. And he uses our failures to mold us and shape us into who he desires for us to be, who he has created us to be. See, God's vision for our lives, God's desire for us, God's plan, God's purpose for us is the best possible version of us. Now, we can try and go our own way and think that we know better, but we do not know better than God. But I'm so glad that my God doesn't give up when I mess, when I mess up. He doesn't give up. I'm so glad that God is so patient with us. God is so patient with us. Man, when I think about the things in my life that took years and years and years for God to work on and improve, I think, man, if I was God, I probably would have given up on Nathan Headley. I think about the things in me right now that still need to improve, that still need to get way, way better. And if you don't know if they are, you can ask Brooke. She can tell you all about them. She knows all the way I need to get better. God is patient with us. He's patient with us when we fall down. See, God cares much more about who we are becoming than what we're doing. He cares much more about who we are becoming than what we're doing. So he's always using our circumstances, using our failures to shape us into who he desires for us to become. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter says, the Lord isn't really slow about his promises. See, God is not slow about his promises as some people think. As some people think, man, there's been times where I thought God was being really slow. 
God, you promised that this was going to take place. You said this was going to happen. God, you sent us here to do this, and then you promised this was going to happen. Like, why are you taking so long? You're being really slow. Come on, God, I know you can do anything. Let's speed up. The, let's, let's get the ball rolling here. God's not slow about his promises as some people think. No, no, he's patient for our sake. He's patient for our sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Once God began the work in us, God's going to continue this work. He is not going to give up on you. Even if you have given up on yourself, God is not going to give up on you. Don't give up on yourself. God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. And also, don't give up on other people. There's a when we look on social media, watch the news and see what's happening, and you know, there's a lot of people giving up on, you know, capital P people. There's a lot of people giving up on people. Just giving up. People are just flawed. They're not people are you know, this is, people do this. People are, people are dumb and people 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 just giving up on people. God hasn't given up on humanity. Let's not give up on people. Let's not give up on other people. When someone hurts you, when someone does something wrong, that doesn't mean you have to stay. If it's an abusive situation, it doesn't mean you have to stay in that. You need to remove yourself from an abusive situation. But barring that kind of thing, we don't need to give up on people when they hurt us. We need to pray for them, love on them. We can't give up on individual people, but we also can't give up just on capital P, people, on humanity, on society, on culture. We, we can't give up on people because God has not given up on us. So we can't give up on others. God began the work. God's going to continue the work until when? Until it's finally finished. When is the work finished? When Jesus Christ returns. Leads us to number three. God's work on you, in you, and through you doesn't stop until Jesus comes back. God's work in you, God's work on you, God's work through you does not stop until Jesus comes back. Doesn't matter how old you become, God's work through you has not stopped. He still wants to help you. He still wants to do things through you. God wants to work on you. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you. No matter how many times you've failed, no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how many times you've given up on yourself, no matter how many times you've given up on other people, God's not going to stop. It's not going to stop until Jesus comes back. You know, some things we, one of the things we say around here all the time, you guys have heard it a hundred times, and you'll hear it a hundred times more. It's about progress, not perfection. Our goal is progress. Our goal is not perfection. We will not reach perfection this side of heaven, this side of eternity. God's work in us, on us, and through it, it's not going to stop. We're not going to reach perfection. But we are going to get better. We're going to progress. It's about progress. It's not about perfection. We are to be moving in the right direction. Yet, we don't need to always beat ourselves up when we haven't arrived. When we realize we're not perfect, we can't get down on ourselves. You know, some of you need to give yourself a break. Some of you just need to give yourself a break. You need to give yourself a little break. You need to take a breath. You need to breathe in God's grace. Sometimes we just need to take a break, give ourselves a break. We've made mistakes. We're not, we're not living up to what we thought we were going to do. We're not doing as much as we wanted. We've got to give ourselves a break and realize that we're not perfect and we're not going to be perfect, and that's okay. And breathe in the grace of God, where God looks at us and says, here's my grace. I know 
I know you're not going to always do it right. That's why I sent Jesus. Take a break. Give yourself a break and breathe in the grace of Jesus. Now, some of us need to do the exact opposite. We need to give ourselves a kick. It's about progress, not perfection. If we focus too much on the perfection side, then we drive ourselves to exhaustion. We beat ourselves up. We're always feeling you know, condemnation because of the fact that we, we make a mistake. And every time we make a mistake, we're upset at ourselves. We get into this cycle of condemnation. But it's about progress. Some of us, we haven't moved forward in a long, long time, and we need to give ourselves a kick. It's time to get up and go. God's saying, all right, you're, you rested for long enough. Get moving. Holy Spirit's working on you. Holy Spirit's doing some things, and we've got to partner with Him in this process. So how do you know what season you're in? You know, we go through different seasons. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a break. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a kick. How do we know what season we're in? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus gave us His Spirit, to lead us into all truth, to guide us and lead us, to tell us what season we're in right now in this moment. The Holy Spirit will speak to you, and he'll let you know what season you're in right now. He'll talk to your heart. He'll impress something upon you. Hey, you know what? Give yourself a break. Breathe in God's grace. You're not perfect. That's why there's forgiveness. Or he'll say, you know what? You've been complacent. You've been sitting still too long. It's time to get up and start moving. It's time to make, it's time to make some progress. It's time to make some changes. Time to find some help. Help from another godly believer. It might be time to, to see a Christian counselor. Say, hey, you know what? You've been dealing with this for many, many years and you haven't moved forward. It's time to get some help. It's time to make some adjustments to your schedule. It's been more time with God, more time in his work, whatever that may be for you. You know what season, but if you don't know what season you're in, probably you do, but if you don't, the Holy Spirit will tell you and he'll let you know. What season we're in. Sometimes we're sitting in a parked car. And I had a professor in college who used to say, God can't move a parked car. Put the car in drive. Start driving, and then God will direct you. Sometimes we've been sitting still for so long, we've forgotten what it looks like to just move forward. You gotta put that car in drive, you gotta start moving. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next step. Just take a step, and then God will direct you. God directs the steps of his people. He orders those steps. So start walking, and then God will say, you know what? He'll redirect you in that way. You know, there's been many times, even in uh, the process of planting this church, that we didn't know where to go next, what the next step was. We just took a step, and then as soon as we took that step, we saw very clearly God said, yeah, but I don't need you. That was the wrong step, so go this way instead. But if we just sat and waited and sat and waited and never did anything, we wouldn't have gotten that direction. And there are times to wait on the Lord, right? Like there are times where we sit, we be still, and we wait on the Lord. But there's times where we're not waiting on the Lord, we're just not moving anywhere. There's a difference between sitting still and waiting on the Lord and sitting still because you don't want to go anywhere. Sometimes we've got to give ourselves a kick. Sometimes we've got to give ourselves a break. You messed up. Own it. Repent. And then move on. Give yourself a break. Verse 9, Philippians 1. Paul writes, I pray that your love will overflow more and more 
and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. We will never reach perfect knowledge and perfect understanding this side of heaven. We're to keep on growing progress. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. You know what we're doing here in the Vine Church family is we're building a church. You know, I was talking with a friend earlier this week and we're talking about building a church and all that takes to build a church. And then I realized in the middle of the conversation, we were talking about two different things. I said, no, 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 when I said building a church, I wasn't talking about the building at all. I wasn't talking about the property. I was talking about people, congregation, a family. A family is a church. A building is not a church. We are the church. We've talked about that. We, you guys all know this. We've said this countless times. But what we're doing is we're building a family. We're building a church together. When is that going to be done? When Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, there are more people that God wants to add to this family because they need a place of rest. They need a place of, of healthy, loving community. They need that. There's going to be people that God's going to be adding, and he's going to use all of us to find those people. He's going to use us. He's working on their heart. He's begun the work in them. He wants to continue that work. He wants to use us to bring them into health, into life. He wants to use this, us, our church family. We're building this church. We're building people. We're also building up one another. A part of that is encouraging one another. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a break. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a kick. And sometimes God uses each of us to help the others know where we're at. He can use us to say, hey, it's all right. Here's some grace. He can use us to help one another and say, you know what? I think you'd be great if you went and did. But don't actually kick anybody, okay? Right? Can we, you know? Let's not do that. Unless you're playing soccer and you're supposed to. And I don't know what. I just Griffin popped into my head. He had his first soccer game yesterday. And uh, someone kicked him in the shin guard. And I was like, yeah. They kicked me, Dad. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen a lot. I'm like, that's soccer. They didn't, they didn't stop it. Yeah. Get used to it. You know? I did not. Now, I wanted to say go kick him back. But I did not say that. I want you to reflect for a moment. Have you given up on yourself? Have you given up on God? Or have you given up on other people? Maybe even a specific person. Have you given up on someone that in this moment, God is saying, I want you to take a step to mend that relationship. I want you to take a step to pray for them. Or have you just given up on people? God's saying, no, God loves humanity so much that he sent his son, right, to die for all of us so that everyone could be saved, so that everyone could come to know him. Have we given up on our mission of people? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you don't give up on us. We thank you that you began the work within us. We thank you that you continue that work. We thank you.
that you're not going to stop. God, I pray in this moment you would just show each and every one of us, God, just where, where we're missing it. You'd show us where we're missing it and what that next right step is to get back on track. If we've been missing it, we've been missing your grace because we constantly feel guilty, we feel terrible or insecure because we're not getting it perfect, that you would show us that next step to grace. If we're missing it because we're sitting still and we need to be moving forward and we need to give ourselves a kick, that you would show us that and you'd show us that next step. If we're missing it a little bit because we've given up on someone or people, we've given up on ourselves or we've given up on you, I pray that in your grace you would show us this moment what that next step is to get back on track. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, now's that time where we look inside and we think, what is our next right step? On the tables in front of you, there's a blue connection card or beside you if you're in one of the chairs. Online, the connection cards, vinechustle.com. What is your next right step with Jesus? We ask ourselves this question every week for two reasons. One, because when we fill it out, it gives it action steps. We say, I, God was speaking to me this morning about this, and this is my next step with him. And when I write it down or I type it in, it gives it legs, gives it action. The second reason is because our prayer team looks over these, they pray over these, and whenever you say, this is my next right step, you can be certain that someone in this church family is praying for you specifically in your faith journey. They're praying for you, strengthening you, encouraging you in prayer to take those steps. Under that, it says prayer request. If you have any prayer requests whatsoever, we want to know about them. We want to partner with you in prayer, uh, everyone online. Uh, we want to know what's going on in your life. I know a lot of you we haven't seen in a little while, so we want to know what's happening. We want to be praying for you. So if you'd fill these out so we can know how to pray for you specifically and what's going on, if there's anything we do to help at all. All right. Well, I love you all so much. Now, we normally end with a worship song, but because of this weekend's, you know, perfect storm, we decided, you know what? We won't throw one more song uh, on, on, on the new guy that came to help us out here at the end. So... Uh, I love you so much. Take a moment, fill out those connection cards, and then you can go grab your kids, and we will see you next Sunday. Well, online, we'll see you next Sunday. Here in the room, I'll see you in just a minute. And if you can stick around and help us do the stage, that'd be awesome. If you got to go, no problem at all. That's it.